There was a Muslim funeral for Muhammad Ali on Thursday. That's last night. It drew thousands of admirers to Muhammad Ali's hometown of Louisville, Kentucky. Mourners prayed over the body of a man who battled in the ring and sought peace and justice outside of it. That is going to be recalled today as an enormous memorial takes place. If yesterday they think they saw about 14,000 people there in Louisville at the uh, funeral, um, the the sort of ceremonial affair, um, today in Louisville at the... Uh, at, at the service of of memorial, there will be, I think, an amazing turnout. One of the people who's there is Dave Zirin. Among other things, he's the Nation Magazine sports columnist. He also co-hosts a program on WPFW, The Collision. Dave, you showed up in Louisville, I believe, yesterday. Um, tell us a little bit about what you saw and what it feels like to be there today. First of all, it's great to be on with you, Laura. Always um, great to be on with you, Dave. Just su- such a, a special and emotional day here in Louisville. Um, it, it, it's really emotional um, because Louisville is a city that has a very complicated history with Muhammad Ali. Uh, it, it's a city that he protested. It's a city whose housing policies in the 1960s he called racist. He said the city of Louisville treated uh, black and brown people like dogs. It's a city whose city council uh, voted to renounce him as a citizen of the city in the late 60s when he resisted the draft. Yet it's a city that when you walk, when you land at the airport, there there is a huge sign of welcoming you uh, to say goodbye to the greatest. That's what it says. Um, all the, the buses in Louisville um, they have little tributes to Ali that that are are up on the you know on, on the, the the little signs in the front of the bus, the little digital signs. Mm. Um, of course, the Muhammad Ali Center is in Louisville. Um, one of the main boulevards in Louisville is named Muhammad Ali Boulevard. Um, there, there are people staying at the motel I'm staying at. It's a little flea bag motel, but there, there's someone there from Scotland flew all the way in just for this. Um, working-class people staying at the motel. And then at the big hotel downtown, my friend Charlie Pierce, the journalist, he texted me. to. He said, uh, I just saw the prime minister of Turkey hanging out in the lobby with Chris Christopherson. <laughs> Only Muhammad Ali could bring people like that together. So, so yeah, the mood is, is very intense. We're expecting half a million people today lining the streets for a 23-mile processional, uh, followed by the services at the what's called and I, I wish I was joking about this, but the, the KFC Young Center. I know when I when Louisville. I saw that I thought, really, can that be the name of it? Um It really is. And and it's KFC Yum with an exclamation point. Just so everybody <laughs> knows what we're talking about. You can see why I stumbled over it when I read it. Um how are they handling the um honoring of his Muslim faith? within this huge celebrity media-driven environment? Uh, And how did they handle it last night, do you think? Well, it's a great, that's a great question, because um, I have a piece up at at the Nation, it'll be up later today, where I I do call Muhammad Ali's funeral um, his last act of resistance. (laughs) Because his uh, funeral yesterday, his Muslim service yesterday was, um, was was attended also by by uh, the celebrities, by masses of people, by thousands of people came. 
uh, services were offered. Um, the processional today will will be um, multi-faith, but there will be a Muslim representative along with representatives from uh, Jewish, Christian, uh, faith, even the LDS Church in the form of Senator Orrin Hatch will be there. Um, and th- there really is something to be said about the fact that as we live in a country right now where one of the presidential candidates wants to bar all Muslims from entering the United States, and the other presidential candidate has... Um, just really a horrific history with regards to war in the Middle East, that you have the, the absolute reddest of red states, Kentucky, uh, paying homage to the most famous Muslim on earth. Yeah, it's really an amazing there, there's thing. There's something remarkable. I mean, when you take I mean, because I've had a lot of friends on the left who ask me, do you feel conflicted about Bill Clinton leading the service? And of course, on one level, I, I do, given Ali's history of resistance and, and the rest of it, but on another level, it's just remarkable. It's absolutely, it's yeah. such a sign that they, they couldn't defeat him. There's two things. I know we don't have a lot of time with you, Dave, and I believe you'll be on the Democracy Now! show in just a bit. But there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you that came out of the great piece that you wrote for The Nation, I Just Wanted to Be Free. You mentioned in there that he not only did the things that people talk about in terms of standing up as a heroic individual, but that he collectivized the idea of courage. Those were your words. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that and how perhaps we can continue that work of collectivizing courage? Yeah, I mean, what Muhammad Ali did is that he made, and I believe I'm quoting Julian Bond here, uh, he he said Muhammad Ali made dissent visible and he made it fearless. And uh, Bryant Gumbel, who's one of the eulogizers today, and he once said that Muhammad Muhammad Ali refused to be afraid and being that way, he gave other people courage. I mean, what he, people have to remember first and foremost that Muhammad Ali was the most famous athlete on the planet. And what he did was he was an example that courage was not just about getting in the ring and fighting somebody uh, with your fists. Courage was about having the courage to not fight, yeah. to not go to war, to actually stand up to the media, to stand up to the conventional wisdom about what black freedom meant, about what self-determination meant. And it's been remarkable since I wrote that piece. Like, I I wish I could almost rewrite it, because I've had so many people come up to me and say, that idea of collectivizing courage, Muhammad Ali made me proud to be in my own skin. Mm. People have, like, he made me proud to be a Muslim. He made me proud to be black. He made me proud to be an anti-war activist. And I, I think that says something about the power of sports, the power of culture, and just the power of the fact that he was this, incredibly beautiful, poetical, exciting, charismatic person who, oh, by the way, also just happened to be the most famous draft resistor in the history of war. Because <laughs> it is true that as we, we, we mourn and grieve and celebrate the loss of the individual, it is important to remember that collective surrounding to this man's Life and and you talked a little about the, about the implications of this assertion of um, celebration of the Muslim faith in the context of what's going on in the electoral race at the local level. Um, you had Andrew Cuomo this week 
essentially yeah. signing an executive order to create a blacklist that would have included, you pointed out, would have included Muhammad Ali. This was uh, Governor Cuomo's effort to uh, ban um, those who stand with the, the Palestinian people by supporting boycott, divestment, and sanctions on Israel. Two seconds on that, Mike, uh, Dave, before we have to let you go. I'd love to. I mean, if you have the time, yeah, I'd love to Yeah, I mean, I think it's important because it talks about the continuing of the struggle. And it's also about the gap between the people who issue these empty kind of statements about Ali and the actuality of who they are. And I think we have to be prepared to call that out very, very ruthlessly if we're going to retain a memory of who Ali actually was. And so to have Andrew Cuomo issue this statement about uh, how the champ will be missed and he's the greatest... The very week he, at the Harvard Club in New York, announces, if you boycott Israel, the state of New York will boycott you. If you divest from Israel, the state of New York will divest from you. And and, and the announcement of the creation of a blacklist, while leaving out the little fact that Muhammad Ali was actually somebody who believed in Palestinian liberation, who visited Palestinian refugee camps in southern Lebanon, because Muhammad Ali was a consistent anti-colonialist. And so it wasn't something where he just said, I don't like what Israel does. He says, I don't like what the United States is doing in Vietnam, just like I don't like what Israel is doing in the Middle East. The idea of the assertion of power on someone else's homeland. And that sort of thing would be absolutely repellent to Andrew Cuomo, to Chuck Schumer, another person who wants to take Andrew Cuomo's law and make it federal. And I'll tell you just what's so disturbing about this, because I know people in New York, and I'm from New York, like to think of, of, of it as kind of a liberal state. New York State was the first state to ban Muhammad Ali from boxing. Like the whole taking Muhammad Ali's belt started in New York State. And so there's something like an, a disturbing kismet, a disturbing parallel with Andrew Cuomo trying to start this national trend of blacklisting people in the United States who dare exercise their freedom of speech, freedom of, of assembly, um, and, and try to stand with the Palestinian people. We're talking with Dave Zirin of Edge of Sports. You can hear him on WPFW on the Collision Show, which he co-hosts. Um, he's right now in Louisville, Kentucky, where there will be the memorial for Muhammad Ali this afternoon, starting at 2. The live stream will be carried here on WBAI. There is always a danger, isn't there, um, Dave, that in sanctifying our heroes, we strip them of their radicalism. We've seen it with yeah. King. Will we see it of the king i mean what, what do we do here um and what will you be looking out for today and in the weeks to come uh it, with respect to the way that we remember muhammad ali well first and foremost um i, I am so grateful that uh, muhammad ali happens to pass away when he does in the context of both a black lives matter movement and the presence of social media because what it allows for is the kind of response to say no, you, you we're not. We're going to actually keep a very close watch to make sure that you don't strip Muhammad Ali of everything that he was for the purposes of of repackaging him to to sell war, to sell some idea of, of who he was, where he was. Like this one sportscaster put out Muhammad Ali. The the most beautiful thing about him was that you didn't see race when you looked at Muhammad Ali. That's the guy named Chris Myers from Fox Sports, and I wonder how he got the job at Fox. And, I mean, that, that you could say, I don't see race when I see Muhammad Ali. Someone who actually said explicitly, um, I am black, get used to me. I mean, is it, it, kind of, rem- or, or, damn the white man's money, another famous Muhammad Ali quote. I mean, it's just a stunning mm. statement. 
Mm. I mean, the thing about Muhammad Ali is, is you know, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois said famously about Jack Johnson that his, the, the first black heavyweight champion, that his great sin was his unforgivable blackness. Mm. Uh, Muhammad Ali had an unbreakable blackness, mm. and they couldn't break him. And we're not going to let people forget that. Dave Zirin, thank you so much for joining us on the program. I know you have a busy schedule today. I hope that the day is what you need it to be for your own um, process in the loss of this man who you knew very well. Well, talking to you is part of that process, frankly, Laura. It's a pleasure, Dave, really. And what an amazing way to start the day for me. Thank you for taking the time. Have fun with Amy. We will hear you on that program in just a bit.